Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. How's it going, Matt? Yeah, great, Mark. How are you? Good, good. Good. It's been it's been a it's been a good week. I mean, oh, yeah. it's I don't I don't have much to to write at home about because I've just been doing deep work and support. Sure. So and of course, you know, like code is always more complicated than you think. <laughs> I've I've notoriously always been horrible at estimating how long things oh, would yeah. take me. Yeah. Right. So like, so yeah, it's taking longer than I thought. But, uh, you know, I'm in summer mode, so I'm in no hurry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. And speaking of summer mode, you know, I did take Thursday off in the end. Okay. Because you know, it's a holiday here in, in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when you run an online business, like, holidays mean nothing. <laughs> However, it does mean that your friends aren't working. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was able to hang out at the park with some friends. Nice. And it was beautiful weather, and yeah, it was nice. And also went out for brunch one day with the whole family. Yeah, it was awesome. Just like yeah. sitting sitting in a restaurant, no masks on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's totally crazy. Like it feels like we live in this other world. I know. <laughs> I forgot what normal feels like. But yeah, I feel you about the. The, the holidays and having friends be off and available. I feel it with my wife too. She runs her own business and she has employees and that kind of thing. And, uh, and the employees wanting time off to spend time with their families and stuff. <laughs> so it's, it, she's around and wants to hang out and we're like, Oh man, like I don't want to work. Like I want to go to the park. <laughs> I want to, I want to have fun. Exactly. No, we need to. <laughs> yeah. It's critical. So yeah, so that's like that was my week. I really don't don't have much much update business wise. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, this week, uh, this so this past week was getting ready to move. I moved on Saturday. It was horrible. <laughs> Although I mean, like I don't want to say it was horrible because like we moved on Saturday and it rained the entire day, but on Sunday it was like forty five degrees. So. <laughs> Do you really want to move in the heat or do you want to move in the rain? I think I picked the rain. Oh, yeah? Like your stuff didn't get wet? No, everything was in boxes. No problem at all. That's the advantage of not moving on July 1st like everyone else. Yeah, exactly. You might have to leave your stuff on the sidewalk. The city's going to be a disaster this week. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was mainly moving, uh, getting ready to move, and then the actual moving itself. And uh, tying up Shred. I spent a lot of my free time working on Shred. Well, I guess it's not really free time if you're working, but my non-entrepreneur cycles I was spending on the consulting part. And that was productive. Um, I was working with another set of consultants, and there was a good bit of back and forth. So, um, But they also told me that the deadline to submit um, the window has been extended because we're filing for 2019 uh, and you typically you have 18 months to um, uh, to submit those to, to submit your claim basically 
Um, but they were, I guess they either filed for an extension or they, or at the CRA put an extension in place. So we have an extension until September, which is really nice because I was really worried I was going to have to work this weekend. Uh, <laughs> and that's just not going to fly. Like I only got internet yesterday night. So trying to get anything done over the weekend was just a no go. It was not going to happen. And everything was in boxes. Like we didn't have time to sit down and actually do work. Right. So, so yeah, we, so we've got that extension, which is good. It gives us more time. Um, I don't want to take my foot off of the gas with respect to that because right now the CRA is being very, I mean, they, they, they started last year. Um, anything that gets money into the hands of Canadians is something that they want to, uh, they want to speed up. So they're still feeling very, I guess, charitable is the word. <laughs> they're still feeling very charitable and they're giving out money quickly. Um, they're, they're not holding the claims up there. Uh, I have a few friends that have claimed for 2020 already and they've gotten their claims back already, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, it, so I'm I still have my foot on the floor there. I'm trying to poke the consultants and, and see if we can move a little faster just to get this stuff in and take advantage of this grace, this window of grace or window of goodwill, I suppose. And, uh, and get that stuff done. But so that's kind of been taking up most of my time. Um, yeah, so for this week, I'm really moving in still. Um, we just have a few more boxes left to unpack. We're all set. Um, but we've got internet. We've got power. Uh, I'm a big gardener. so And we have this amazing terrace on the back of the building. It's so nice. It's like 10 by 12, like nice big spot. Lots and lots of sun. And I actually have an awning, like a retractable awning. Uh, that I Ooh. that rolls out. Oh, it's dope! I can't wait. So we're we're um, the only. I thought it was an upside in the beginning, but now it's kind of a downside that there's no wind because I'm kind of surrounded by tall buildings. Um, so it's like an oven back there. Like it's so oh. hot. So uh, so yeah, I, so uh, I kept the awning rolled up, but yeah, as soon as I get a bit of shade, I think it'll really help. So yeah, operation make that terrace into a jungle is my uh is my next mission i love plants i love growing things so i'm stringing up lights i'm trying to figure out what plants i want to grow like what can i get started for the season that sort of thing okay i didn't know that about you oh yeah i love gardening it's uh it's, it's, growing stuff from seed is is really cool it's uh cultivating these things and watching them grow and tending to them is it, it uh it speaks to my soul i think it's like the startup of nature Exactly. <laughs> Planting seeds, pruning. So yeah, I really anticipate this week being, uh, you know, a little bit more. I need to get my freelancing hours in, so that'll take up a bit of time, and then the rest is going to be spent moving in um, or finishing up moving in. Uh, Thursday is Canada Day, uh, Canada Day, and I would love to take some time off. I, like the weather's just so good. I'm like, oh god, I real so badly. <laughs> want to be outside and 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 turning my turning this apartment into a home and that kind of thing so um i think either thursday or friday i'll probably take off and um i need to do some reading about just i've I've been getting more i've been listening to or re-listening to some of the episodes of um software social and i keep thinking like you know even if i'm a little bit stuck or still kind of working on uh, finding more people to interview and that sort of thing. I think that um, 
working the muscle of learning how to interview and learning how to ask the right questions and where interesting paths are is something that I could use some a little more training in. So I'm gonna I'm going back and listening to those to some of those episodes to look for book recommendations or just resources that kind of thing. Because Michelle's full of those things. I should probably just ping her on Twitter and just say, hey, you know, off the top of your head, what are your top three? Um, because she's she cites papers like all sorts of things um, that she's just right. kind of consumed across her career. Famous papers, famous books, these kinds of things. Well, it, like I know her book is on pre-sale right now. If mm-hmm. if you buy it, do you get like a preview? Like, is yep. Okay, so you could yeah. actually just start reading the book now. Yeah, actually, that's a shit. That's a good point. <laughs> I uh, uh, I've been um, I was on her beta list, and I had access to the book. I've had it. I have, I have had access to it for the last I don't know month or two, and she. Like she's been making progress on it, but I just haven't had time. Like I can't even get through the email newsletter updates that I want to read, let alone like sit down and read a whole book. But I think that might be a nice way to kind of relax at the end of this week to really just kind of take a couple of hours and go through my um, go through some of my the emails that I actually want to read, and maybe actually starting in on her book would be a good idea. So yeah, what are you thinking about for this week? What's on the docket for you? Yeah, this code that I have to finish, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I said I was going to email my customers to tell them about the affiliate program, and I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, like months ago, I set up Mailer Light to be able to start emailing people, so I could have like an email sequence and also maybe send a monthly like newsletter, and I have done neither, mm-hmm. so. It, and it seems like, well, I should use the tool I set it up, but uh, yeah, it's always it's always hard. Like, like how do you test it? How do you not send out the wrong email to the wrong people? Mm. What is MailerLite? It's it's like it's an email automation tool, uh, but it, it it's the reason I picked that one is because it seemed to be more like indie hacker friendly. Like, okay. So it's not like self-hosted. No, 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 no. It's a it's a SaaS. But uh, yeah, but like I said, I set it up like months ago, so I don't even remember why I picked that one in the end. But uh, it seemed to be like the best one that I found. Uh, but I've never actually tested it or used it. Right. So of course it's always scary. So like you know, like how do I how do I start a newsletter? Right. I have people that have been on my list for months that I've never emailed. Like, do I send an email saying, "Hey, I'm thinking of starting a newsletter. Click here to subscribe," or do I automatically just subscribe them and send them the first issue? The people whose email you have, uh, where do they come from? Are they your customers or yes? Do they sign up for yeah, yeah. No, no, they're all customers. Like, I don't, I don't have a, a forum anywhere where I'm collecting just emails. They're people who registered to use Power Importer. Okay. So some of them are f- free accounts. They've never paid. They've never set up anything. Mm-hmm. Some of them have set up a workflow and they're using it on the free plan. And then, and then you have the rest that are paying customers. Yeah, because if you were just starting a. I don't know anything, but thinking aloud, if I had signed up for a service that I was using and I got an email from them that was like, hey, here's more information about the product. It's like, okay, great. That's that's a useful email. 
if it's something like, oh, here's an email about how my summer's been going. Kind of like, okay, that's <laughs> not like super relevant for me. <laughs> so I guess it just depends on the type of email you want to send. Like, I mean, because you want to advertise the affiliate program. So like just maybe like sending email to, to say, oh, hey, you, I don't know, um, road, drop some roadmap knowledge or something. And then another email uh, advertising the affiliate program. Or why not just advertise the affiliate program? Would that be your problem? Yeah, no, that's true. Like no, or just like a a, a big update, right? Like mm. here are the features I've been working on. I'm thinking of adding. If you have ideas for new importers, you know, reach out. Oh. And then and then the next section is also I I started an affiliate program. You know, if you're if you'd like to to learn more, click here. That's a great idea. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Like if they signed up the. There's a reason why they signed up. Like they were interested in the in the tool. Totally. I mean, I'm not trying to like sell T-shirts to them or. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not some totally other thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that should be fine. That should be fine. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm scared for nothing. I'll hit the button if you want. <laughs> Can you write the email too? <laughs> It'll be the shittiest email you've never sent. I don't know. <laughs> it couldn't be shittier than what I would write. Sure. I'll write, I'll write your email for you. Bro. <laughs> Thanks. So this week I d- discovered something really interesting. Oh, yeah. Like I, I, I was listening to Spotify and... At one point, like I was reading, so I, I just wanted some quiet music in the background that that wouldn't have lyrics, that wouldn't distract me from the reading. So I I asked to, to play some piano. It starts playing piano, and then all of a sudden I notice it's playing covers of popular songs, like but but on piano. And then I just, I was just too curious, like what, you know what is this? Who is this? And and then I just fell in this rabbit hole of like. Yeah, the, all these albums are piano covers of, of popular music and all that. And I found this one artist. They, they call themselves Piano Project. Okay. So, like, the, there's no information about who's behind this. Like, and, uh, and they've released 142 albums in the past two years. And they're all piano covers. Like, so there'll be an album, like, piano covers of Queen, you know, or piano tribute to Queen. And then they will have all these random albums like that. Like, and the album will have like, you know, six, eight songs on it, like a regular size album. But they'll all be piano covers. Like, you know, piano covers of the hits of 1997. Like, just random stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, like, 142 albums in two years that's more than an album a week. No, like- exactly. It's it's crazy. So I mean, I, I was listening to it, and I would I suspect that it might not actually it might not even be a live recording of a piano. It might just be like synthesized piano sound. Sure. And maybe they're they're just composing it on the computer. Oh. And and I mean, copyright wise, I don't even know what what the laws are. Like, can you just do a piano cover of Queen without getting any permission? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Because it's, I mean, it's for profit. It's on Spotify, so they're getting paid for each stream. But it just made me think of like, like, I I googled for like how to make money on Spotify, right? Like, like <laughs> there must be people out there with like with all these tricks, and I found nothing. Like, there's just really nothing. You you might find a few posts like from an artist saying, "Oh, this is how you promote your album on Spotify," but. I want to hear from like this person <laughs> how much uh-huh. money they're making, right? Like, because uh, obviously, like they, they they know that there's there's a need for for people. You know, people are just gonna want to listen to piano music. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna generate a bunch of piano music, and then I'll I'll make covers and I'll I'll get people to add my music to their playlists on Spotify and. But there's a whole business there. Like, I was so curious. Yeah. Uh, when I was playing D... So one of my friends is a, an excellent dungeon master in D&D. And we play using Roll20.net. And you can put in music and sound and, like, all sorts of things. And he collects these, like... They're effectively, like, sea shanty versions of, like, metal songs. So, so we'll be like, oh, so you arrive at the inn... And he plays this, like, yeah, like, accordion mix of, like, Fade to Black by Metallica. Like, it, it's really cool. Because you, you don't even... I had the very similar experience to you of, like, you're listening and you're like, something's familiar about this. And you listen to it and you're like, oh, wait a second, I know this song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there was, like, a bunch of people that were doing something like this. But it's it. I would love to know how much money this person's making, or I mean, if or it's a group of people. I don't know, but I I suspect I'm not an audiophile, so I really can't tell. But it didn't sound like live piano. It oh, I'm sounds, sure it was all MIDI or whatever. It's a. I think it's all MIDI, and I mean, maybe it's a lot of it's automated. Like you, you take a pop song, <laughs> run it through some neural net that just finds the notes and then just pumps out a MIDI file. Is it a single pianist, uh, or is there yeah. like other orchestration? Nope, no other instruments. It's just the piano. I mean, conceivably, is if you had the sheet music, you could feed the sheet music through a MIDI generator or yeah. whatever. Yeah, but I mean, but the sheet music is has been composed by a human, right? Like, hmm. but but you're right. Like maybe that's all they do. They just go buy it album like these booklets of sheet music of popular artists and then they just transpose it into midi and then yeah pump out albums one album a week (laughs) that's really interesting yeah there was this there was this other this other um website that i found on indie hack on uh, hacker news where this person had made a whole website where it would generate like basically techno music for you and it was just a bunch of dials and you just change the dials like change the tempo and and it it was really it was really cool and then when i looked further into it like that person that created that site also has albums on spotify of this type of music but in that case it's definitely composed by a a human but you know, like you're really close to being able to, because when I program, that's the kind of stuff I just want to listen to. Stuff that doesn't have lyrics, mm-hmm. 
because I, I can't concentrate if if I hear lyrics. Yeah. So you know, there's definitely a market for like just generating music with AI and putting it on Spotify. Isn't that what the um, what like lo-fi hip hop is? Like, I feel like I see like lo-fi beats and stuff on YouTube all the time. And there was an indie hacker project actually that was called like lofi.cafe i think and you just drop the thing in you find the station you like and it just generates for unending streams of of uh lofi beats or whatever right exactly no that's it i think there's definitely like there's a market for it you could generate these these albums of this kind of music and pump out one a week just so it looks like it's made by a human (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every thursday new album yeah <laughs> interesting i wonder how this person promotes themselves or if they do or they don't or spotify just does because it's different or i've i found they have a facebook page uh, but all they seem to do is just post every new release like so they just release oh just I'm just dropping this new album <laughs> piano covers of uh Random artist X, <laughs> but it's, it's amazing. I, I love, I love, I love this world we live in. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. <laughs> could you? I was just I thinking, mean, could like, you? it makes me feel like I'm so uncreative. Right? Like, could you imagine anyone releasing 142 albums in two years? Like, n- nobody. You know, even even if you do, did covers of, if you did piano covers of music. You would never produce that many, right? The studio time and then the audio engineering and and even if you did, like, could you get record albums to like uh, record stores to like hold your music in inventory? Like, no, yeah. right? You have to have a name for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But in this case, with with Spotify, with you're just listening to random music. Anybody could could have composed it. Hmm. It's the That's long crazy. tail of music. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like I hear that Spotify listens are a dark, dark market, or I don't know. Like they're you get paid pennies or fractions of pennies per listen. I think it's yeah. just the the people who end up making any money at all are the ones who sign deals specifically with Spotify, not just like have their music indexed by Spotify. But I mean. I know nothing about this world. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I I understand artists are complaining about that. Like, but at the same time, you know, like I'm paying 15 bucks a month. And if I listen to 40 hours of music a week, (laughs) like, you know, like that 15 bucks gets divided by quite a few songs. So it's normal that you get no money per listen. You know, it's not it's not so much that like Spotify is screwing over artists. Oh. It's that like this I mean and, and with people like this piano project that just pump out music, like the the supply is just getting diluted. There's so much supply, but the demand is is really cheap. Yeah. Like, well that's I guess that's pain. it. Yeah, you make listening to music super easy. And all of a sudden, people listen to a hell of a lot of music. Exactly. Who knew? Yeah. Like I've, I've, I know, I know friends that are that are authors, and they compl- you know, they they also complain about you know Amazon and 
our authors are making so little money, you know, like every year they're making less and less money. But they just blame it on Amazon. Like Amazon is taking all the profits. But again, they're ignoring this basic supply and demand is the same thing. Like now anybody can self-publish a book. Yeah. So there's a lot more books out there. So it's normal that each author is going to make less money per book. And not only that, but, you know, the actual reading books, there's there's a lot of competition against that, right? Like, instead of reading a book, you could be reading a blog, you could be listening to a podcast, you could yeah, be competing all just, with all the other entertainment. Yeah, it's all just forms of attention, of getting and keeping your attention. Yeah. Speaking of podcasts, uh, I was listening last week to My First Million, which is my favorite podcast. Like, it, Man, they they are the kings of of making things sound easy or simple. I guess we'll, we'll, let's say no easy. They make everything fucking sound easy. Like what are we talking about? They're like, oh yeah, no problem. We'll start this business up, and you can get it to twenty k MRR in six months, and blah blah. <laughs> it's like, oh guys, I, I come out of that just filled with fire. Like they're so good at. And uh, appealing to that sense of me of like, yeah, I gotta get out there and work. And then it's yeah. like it's like taking one step into the world of uncertainty and realizing like, oh yeah, this is all extremely hard <laughs> and requires a shitload of dedication to do. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Like I'm constantly listening to it, and I, and I feel like I'm not doing enough. This is ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. I have all these ideas for side projects, and I should be pumping out one per day or <laughs> totally or one per week. But uh, so, yeah, they make yeah they make s- stuff sound simple, but doesn't mean that it's easy. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Um, so last week's episode, they had Justin Mayers on, and I was uh, I he came into my sphere of understanding a few years ago with when he started Kettle and Fire, um, but he had another business before that. But I know that Kettle and Fire it, it's like a subscription D to C. Um, uh, bone broth like for, for keto, ketogenic diets and uh, I know that that grew incredibly quickly and he had like a partnership with Tim Ferriss and like a bunch of other like very notable people and uh, he gets on there and he's like the king of side projects so he's just like oh yeah like all these businesses exist they're all fine they're not going to, you know, you're not going to go out and raise venture capital on these things, but you can make, you know, like a million bucks a year, <laughs> like nice small businesses. I'm just like, oh my God, get out of here, buddy. And it's, to, to hear him speak about it, like, it, it's just so interesting to see people like him. He's kind of like a, like an Andrew Wilkinson kind of figure as well of like, he's interested in how business gets done and how to like, look at something and say like, oh, I'm going to take this idea and apply it to, um, just like how people operate like one example he was saying in the very beginning was how to take channels of distribution that are on the rise and just jump in and take advantage of it so the one that everybody is talking about lately is uh, airbnb um that we still think like oh it's very crowded whatever but there is so much demand for airbnbs it's unbelievable um (laughs) my parents have an in-law suite on their home and they were like, oh, we think we're thinking, we're thinking about renting it out. Maybe we want a tenant. So they have a tenant for two months. And they're like, yeah, maybe we'll just operate it as an Airbnb. It's fine. They open it up to Airbnb. 
And like within hours of opening it up, they get three requests for people to use it as a summer home for the summer. And they're like, we'll rent it for you for two months straight. We don't need to see it. And uh, they're able to charge like twice as much as they could uh, instead of it, it, twice as much as they would if they were renting it to a person with a lease or something like that. Like as a short term. Wow. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe the, the amount of money that they can make off of this. So it's interesting yeah. to to hear him say like, well, how can we find a brand or or a, or an other distribution channels like this that you can just jump on? Because he had created courses on Udemy and that sort of thing of just these channels are being created and you know people are surfing Udemy looking for content. Like, why am I not there? Why am I not putting myself in front of in front of those those eyes? So yeah, it's like it's so interesting to hear him talk about this kind of thing because then I'm like, oh man, like what am I not? What am I not seeing? What, what are the new channels that are appearing that I should be taking advantage of, that I could be taking advantage of? And, like, there's a lot of spam out there of, like, you know, we if you don't run a podcast and you're listening to this, you should try running a podcast because people will scrape all of the podcast indexes and they will email all of the host addresses uh, to try to offer you something. Um, they're starting new services or and they want you to be a part of it or whatever. We just got one today, actually, from some app. And it's interesting to think, like, oh, these people are starting marketplaces. They're starting new distribution mechanisms. Like, maybe I should be more inquisitive about some of these offers I get. It doesn't cost me anything to message them and see, oh, maybe there's an opportunity here. I don't know. But, yeah, like, what am I not thinking about? What am I missing? There's, I mean, you're right. There are so many opportunities. I mean, the, the Spotify one is another example. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, here it's really easy to make music and you could just put it on there. But like you just pointed out, you probably don't make much music per, li- you don't make much money per listen. Mm-hmm. So then how do you make a name for yourself? Yeah. That becomes, that's the hard part of, the, of any business. Yeah. Cause that's definitely been the thing that I've been thinking about lately of just, you know, I, I'm, I'm out here trying to interview engineers and that sort of thing. And part of me is wondering, like, if I'm overthinking this and if there's, like, part of me just, like, as uh, as soon as we can have meetings in person again, part of me just wants to start having wine nights where I collab with some sommeliers, come up with, like, a, a tasting flight and invite people to come and drink wine or whiskey or something like that just to get out of the house and, and meet people and try something new. Maybe I'm overthinking the whole SaaS thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yes and no. Like, I, I listened to my first million, and I always come up with all these ideas also. But then you have to, you know, go back to remembering what you want, right? Like, you know, and if and if you love writing code, well, then, yeah, this this new channel is, is all nice and exciting, but it's not for you, like... Where you, you need to stick to the domain where you have an unfair advantage. Yeah. It's like, cause like, yeah, like if you're a really talented musician, like you might be able to make money on Spotify, like mm-hmm. finding these, these hacks and just grinding at it. But I'm not a musician, so I, I have no unfair advantage here. Yeah, that's something that I always forget. Of just like, I guess I, it's a variety of shiny object syndrome. 
of just like, I see people who are successful at something and I'm like, I want to do what you do. And it's like, yes, but they know how to fix cars and you don't. So, and they probably <laughs> wish they could code. They're probably like, fuck fixing cars. God, I wish I could code. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because well, like the uh, the Airbnb, like I, I've heard quite a few people where, because rent is so cheap in Montreal, they'll just rent an apartment and then they flip it. They just list it on Airbnb and, you know. So, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a really clever arbitrage play. But, like, why would I do that? Like, I, I have no unfair advantage in this domain. Like, what? I'm not, I'm not particularly good at decorating a home. I'm not particularly good at coordinating, having a cleaning lady come and... It's like I, yeah. It's it's just it's not a business for me. Yeah, I think that's my problem. Well, I, part of me is I wish I was more opportunistic. Like <laughs> my problem is it's hard for me to commit to things that I don't know that I love. Well, I mean, this is a very existential problem that I I have in general, and like it's the only thing I talk about in therapy these days. Just that you know, it's we can't be certain about anything. Certainty is an illusion that we give ourselves. And it's like, it's becoming hard for me to commit to things because I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> but there's this, the irrational side of me is like, no, you like it, don't move forward unless you're certain. But if you can't be certain about anything, then why are we here? So it's this kind of like this vicious circle is the one. It's, it's this vicious circle. And I feel like the more opportunistic people are like, Hey, there's an opportunity. I just, I don't, I don't care much about, I don't care about knowing and understanding the rental market. I just know that I can look at this and I can make money doing it. I'm just going to do it. And I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> part of me is like, well, shit, maybe I should be doing that. But I also like, I don't know if I can make myself do it. It's just not in my wheelhouse of interest. And like you say, unfair right. advantage. Like I love to write code and I'm good at it. Exactly. Um, so I'd love to be able to apply that. I mean, the thing, the kind of person that's going to, to, to do that arbitrage, like they find joy in the arbitrage itself and the, and the, and the grind and the, Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, like look how clever I'm being. I'm, I'm renting these apartments and then I'm decorating them and flipping them. And, and this is the system I'm using to take good pictures of the inside of it to post on Airbnb. And these are my tricks for describing it and. This my trick of how to find the best locations in the city. Like it's someone that's going to enjoy that that part of it. I mean, I doubt anybody enjoys the actual like running it, like answering emails and yeah, <laughs> and phone calls and having to deal with people not showing up on time to pick up the keys or whatever. Like so, but to go back to my point is. I don't have an unfair advantage in any of that. And I don't, I, I wouldn't get that much joy out of the fact that I found this arbitrage and, and I'm exploiting it. I'd much rather write code. And even when it comes to code, right? Like not every idea is is suited for you. 
Yeah, that's very true. So on both of our lists, <laughs> our topic lists, we have millions are saying I quit. <laughs> Which has been very interesting for the last few weeks. Yeah. I feel like the news has just been entirely news organizations being like, oh, 50 bajillion people quit again today after being like forced back to the office or people are just kind of deciding like, I'm just done with work. Like, I'm just not that interested in it. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of articles about it. And and yeah, like you read the articles and it's like oh, people are re- they're questioning their life choices and <laughs> and you know they want to find work life balance and, and this this whole crisis has like awoken them to to do something about it. I really wonder how much of this like people quitting in droves is actually just like pent-up attrition that hasn't been happening uh, because things there's been so much uncertainty. Like, maybe an organization churns, I don't know, 1% of its people every year, typically. Well, let's say big companies. And let's, I wonder what attrition was over the last year. And then it's, so it's like, oh, there were two years of pandemic or a year and a half. It, it ends. Do you instantly see, like, one and a half percent churn <laughs> after all the people who wanted to leave for so long. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, exactly. Like in the moment of uncertainty, people are not going to quit their jobs. They're going to be, Ugh, I, I need this, right? All these people that work in restaurants are losing their jobs and yeah. hospitality, everyone's losing their jobs and air travel. So it's like, no, no, no! This is not the time to quit my job. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay where I am. Yeah. But, but now that things are going back to normal, it's like you know what? I, I hate this job. <laughs> <laughs> I always hated this job. <laughs> I always hated it, and now they're forcing me to go back to the office. No. Yeah. Um, I have some friends that uh, have been to Burning Man, and they say that. Um, or I guess the, the lore or the recommendation is that when you come back from Burning Man, you shouldn't make any major life choices <laughs> in the two weeks following you returning. Because it's like you've left that microcosm of craziness, like whatever you want to do. And then when re-entering into society is just difficult. Um, and I wonder if post-pandemic, it's a little bit like that. It's like the good weather is here. Um like there's more there's opportunity everybody's just like hugging each other in the streets and it turns out like yeah fuck this job yeah i don't need this job like well you probably need to work (laughs) you haven't seen your friends and family in in over a year it's like now all of a sudden you realize time with family and friends is important turns out and i don't want to spend three hours in commuting every day yeah so yeah i wonder how much regression to the mean we'll see like i'm sure we'll see people switching jobs for sure but i wonder if it's um recreating the situations we had pre-pandemic of just oh i i had a 40 minute commute before and i still do (laughs) or whatever i I, yeah i mean i have to admit like you know when i quit my job because i i hated my job and i was fed up and i was like i need to to try this indie hacker journey but you know if the pandemic had happened like 
when I was at that job, yeah, for sure, I, I wouldn't have gone back. Like, the working from home for a year and a half, like, I would have been so happy. I would not want to go back to the office. Yeah. But there is the reality that now, if if it becomes normal that you can work remotely at more places, then you can change job more easily. Totally. So, like, you, yeah, you don't, now you, you can compare your employer to not just other businesses in the neighborhood, but businesses anywhere in the world. Yeah. When we were, uh, when we were still in the midst of the pandemic, I saw a couple of people talking about how the thing that basically people were casting doubt on the hybrid model of like sometimes working from home and sometimes working from the office. And I have yet to see the blowback from that because I, I have a lot of, I have some friends with young kids and they're like, they're still trying to square what like the first class, second class remote citizen looks like. Cause it's like, if you're in a, if you're in a hierarchy that traditionally wanted a lot of face to face time, you still feel like you need to be there, but you can also go home and be really productive at home because you don't have people disturbing you. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, at least in some organizations, like I guess that's always the, the tricky bit is like the differences between organizations is huge. The the variability could be massive. So it's hard to say like the insurance industry is going to be completely remote. It's like, yeah, well that one company is, is remote. Everybody else is back to the office or whatever. But yeah, it's, for sure. For sure. It's going to make a difference like that. It does for sure. Pandora's box has been open. Now we, all these businesses that said that it could not operate remotely, uh, were able to pull it off for a year and a half. And that's kind of hard to say. No, 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 we can't. We can't continue remote. Like the company I worked at, they were, they were off the island of Montreal. So they were on the South shore. And I'd say like 80, 90% of their, their employees also lived on the South Shore because there aren't that many high-tech businesses, you know, on the South Shore. Like they're all in Montreal. But the problem is to get to Montreal, you got to, you know, there's only like three bridges that will bring you downtown. And it's always going to be a hell in commuting. Like even public transit, it's going to be super, super slow. So, so yeah, all these people, a lot of them kind of felt stuck. Like, this is the only, you know, there's only a handful of employers on the South Shore. Like, you know, this is. So, but then all of a sudden, if they can work from home, now, not only could they work for a a business that's in Montreal, but they could work for a business that's in San Francisco. Totally. Yeah, there's a ton of opportunity. I wonder how, well, like, uh, I do some. I've mentioned before, but I do some contract work for some recruiters that I know. Uh, I help talk to candidates. I do sometimes I do candidate screening. I do, I do a fair number of things, and it's I'm interested to see how job postings and job descriptions will change going forward. Like, how is remote work em- emphasized? Do we tend to say that positions are fully remote, or do we say that each position has remote? 
capabilities? Like, how do we, yeah, how, how do we sell that to potential candidates? I don't know. I I have I have a hard time believing in a hybrid system. Like, so I think either you you bite the bullet, like we're fully remote or we're fully local. Yeah, yeah. I I, I want to. Yeah, I I just I should, for, I should finish a thought <laughs> probably, but <laughs> but what I mean to say is. I kind of agree. Like my experience has been that we're always in person and remote was a trust thing. So like you would establish trust. Um, like there, there was one guy I worked with who um, he came in and he was a killer, absolute killer. Amazing. Um, he, he worked from the office for a long time and then he did the, I think he just kind of did the, like the Tim Ferriss working from home thing. Now he had a family and he lived in um, lived outside the city, so he wasn't in the jungle or, or anything like that. <laughs> but well, as far as I know, he wasn't. I guess that's the point. Well, anyway, he was. Yeah, like he he, he, lived, he lived on the island or off the island, whatever nearby, and uh, he was just such a killer that it was never a problem to have him working from home. He was always super available. Um, he was very quick to respond, so you never really noticed. And then. At some point, it was like, oh, when was the last time you saw him? I don't know, like six months ago, probably? I mean, like, he was always just a phone call or, you know, like a, a meeting away, so it was never a problem. But it's kind of funny to think like, oh, yeah, he just ended up going for remote, and it was never really a problem. But it's funny how the precursor to that really is trust, at least in the organizations I've been in. So it's kind of interesting to think like, well, at least in that hierarchy – you didn't need face-to-face because we had an exec team and an HQ in another region. So you being sitting next to the important person at the office wasn't that important. It was more the output of your work and the quality of the interaction that you have with the with the people who matter. I, I can't imagine what this would be like in an HQ. I've I've never worked at an HQ. Um, I've always been like I've been in a distributed team. I think is the way we say it. But yeah, if you were in HQ, like what an opportunity you have to hobnob with with the people in charge that could be really good for your career. Yeah. Um, and I just don't see how that works in a, depending on the organization. I, I don't, I don't know how it works in a hybrid mode. I don't have any success stories. I think is the problem. Like if there was, if there was a company that we could say, okay, like let's show me how you do it. Winners. Show, let me see you win. And let, let me see you win in this way. I think that'd be really interesting. I think, I think the future is going to be very different. Like, (laughs) like now we're we're talking about remote or local, but I mean, what about asynchronous work or task-based work or results that, you know, results-based compensation? Like, where you could have a fully distributed team. Some of them are just being paid per task, or some are being paid per result like you know in marketing it could be per lead or per that would be so freaking cool oh my yeah. god fully that asynchronous yeah to think about things being truly asynchronous like I, I've heard a couple people talk about that and it's like what does it really mean to be truly asynchronous like oh yeah I send you I send a message out into the ether and eventually I'll hear back from you if it 
if this if my request warrants it or whatever like it's very interesting to think about what that actually looks like and the types of organizations that are into doing that i mean i think it'll take a while to get there but i I think that's the direction we're going in yeah I, i guess i think i bet i'm willing to bet that the success of that model probably has something to do with the underlying criticality of the product like um like if you're at a hosting company like if you run a hosting company and like something is down and your customers can't do business async feels hard because you're like i we need to start a bridge we need to get people in the call to figure out how to work this through or we need to brainstorm fixes or whatever like the urgency of that i don't know how well that would work with async or maybe you break your async until that happens, and then you break it, and then you 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 come in live. Or maybe for those types of organizations, it just doesn't work. I don't know. But, oh, no, but sure, maybe sometimes you need to have a conversation live. But async might determine who's in that conversation. Mm. So, like, you have this whole pool of people that can jump in and intervene when a server is down, and Whoever answers the call first gets the task and gets paid for that task. Mm. But it does mean you have to systemize everything. Like, Yeah. That's a good point. In my head, I automatically expanded that asynchronous concept to be like, oh no, the whole thing, the whole system has to be async and we have to catch all the edge cases and it's got to be perfect and just like, how about we do the needful at the time? <laughs> That's probably not. <laughs> All right. New prediction. Everything's async, distributed, and on the blockchain. Oh, yeah. It's not good unless it's on the blockchain. <laughs> I thought that was the assumption. Like, blockchain by default. <laughs> Make it happen. Well, it's funny we started to talk about async because um, I did get to squeeze in a couple of just developer interviews of people that I've been talking to. And uh, one thing that I've kind of started to zero in on, but I'm asking better questions of like, well, tell me about your day. How does your day work? Like, walk me through it. And the things that are kind of consistent that I'm seeing are uh, one guy I spoke to, he's so funny. He, He called it like, lazy work and active work and his lazy work is like i get in and i have to check for my alerts i need to check the logs i need to you know there's like some basic some basic lazy work he said which i thought was funny but then we started to talk about stand-ups and then all of a sudden we didn't even get to talk about whiteboarding because we only talked about stand-ups for the for the entirety of the call so we're just like oh that's interesting it's the universal I mean, for some people, it's certainly a pain, but it's like the universal experience across dev teams. Like, how do you run a stand-up and that kind of thing? Because, like, I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit more into this, but it's pretty interesting to think, like, how would you run an async stand-up of just, like, why not just why not just post your updates in Slack? Like, why do we need to have a call? Like, aren't we capable of knowing when we need help? That seems like a thing. Like, who needs to right. weigh in? Who's, who's on these calls? So I started to think about that a little bit more because, like, Thinking about it, yeah. I could pr- just from like the the evidence gathering work I've done for Shred programmatically, I could probably provide 
a an automatic stand-up update to be like Matt moved these he, he created these PRs these issues moved from this status to this status he's currently working on this and it's like that's the basis of of um, of the stand-up update and it's like do you have anything you want to add to this like that's actually not hard yeah but like how many companies really love their stand-ups because it's kind of interesting to think like who loves going to stand-up does anybody love going to stand-up That's really it for me. I mean, it's going to be a big moving week. It's going to be hopefully some sunshine towards the end of the week. But yeah, that'll be it for me, I think. Yeah, now that we're in the same neighborhood, maybe we should have a live episode. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, man. Oh my God, I get to see your face. <laughs> Yep, so that's that's all from me also. Okay, cool. Alright, we'll wrap it up here. And we have a couple weeks coming where both of us are going to be in and out of town, summer plans, camping trips, cottages, that kind of thing. So, uh, unless I can snag a last minute guest, we'll probably see you in two weeks. Uh, well, we'll see each other in two weeks. When we're back, I think next next week we're doing one. Right, we're still getting together next week. Oh, next week, yeah, you're right. Yeah, next week will be here. It's the following two weeks. Cool. All right. Good luck on unpacking your boxes. God, thanks. (laughs) I'll catch you later. All right. Bye.